Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So I want to get started this morning, and um, I don't want to take a lot of your time. I know we have busy schedules, and we have Christmas parties and things like that. Uh, but I want to look at Matthew chapter 1. Say Matthew chapter 1. How many know that's in the New Testament? It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, the gospel. And today I want to talk from this idea of Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Um, Here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see this conversation between an angel or a messenger of the Lord uh, with Joseph, who was soon to be betrothed to Mary. And of course, we're talking about Christmas stuff, because why not? It's cliche and it's cool, right? But I just think we'll find some things today that are really interesting here. So we have this conversation between the angel of the Lord or the messenger of the Lord and with Joseph, because, you know, imagine this. Imagine you were getting ready to marry someone who said that they were a virgin, and then all of a sudden you find out they're pregnant. Now, we've heard this story before. We're like, whoa, what's going on? It's like, oh, no, it was immaculate. It was, okay, whatever, babe. I'm going to ship you off, right? Well, Joseph had this idea. He was really going to just be kind about it, but put her away. Let's kind of, you know, let's, let's sever these ties. But then the angel of the Lord shows up to him, and he, he tells him this wonderful story. And here in verse 23, look at this. He says, behold, this is the messenger speaking to Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call him, or his name, what? Emmanuel. Which means in Hebrew, what? God with us. It's so beautiful to think about that. I think sometimes we can read over these these statements in Scripture if we do a flat reading of Scripture. But I want us to dig into this a little bit. What does this really mean? What does it mean that the angel, the messenger of the Lord, was saying to Joseph that your wife will bear this son whom is the Messiah, who is the Son of God, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, it makes me think, and this is probably a far stretch, but it makes me think about the game Twister. Anyone ever play Twister? They should call it Twisted, right? Twister. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, I wanted that game so bad. Remember when they had like, I don't watch a lot of commercial television anymore because now you stream everything, but did they still have commercials for games anymore on TV? They do. Okay, well, maybe I should get back with the real world. But when I was growing up, they would have this commercial for Twister, and it looked so fun. And these kids were just twisted all around and laughing and having a blast. And I'm like, I really want Twister for Christmas. And guess what? One Christmas, my parents splurged, and they got Twister for me for Christmas, which I thought, man, this is the coolest thing ever until I played it. You ever played Twister? No? There's a reason why. You know, as I was kind of Googling through and I was looking for pictures, I think we might even have a picture here, but a picture of, of Twister. Do you know there are literally people that will go, I mean, hundreds and hundreds, some, some look like thousands of people with these huge Twister boards and they will participate together in Twister? It's crazy. It's like this thing. I'm like, what is going on? Why? I didn't even want to do it with like my friends because it's kind of uncomfortable, right? Like right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot. You, I mean, I don't have to really... I guess, just do the math, right? Like you're putting, and you're all over each other. It's just kind of weird, right? Unless it's the girl up the block you like. Hey, praise the Lord. It's just Twister. But, but my point is it's just weird. You're in these awkward positions and you're playing. I was thinking about this. If I were to play Twister today in my 40s, I would probably feel like my son Ethan does after a wrestling meet. 
And all you did was like right hand and left hand there, but when you're done, you'd be so sore. Like Twister, just kind of, kind of odd, but you think, what does Twister have to do with Christmas? Everything, everything, because I got Twister on Christmas. No, that's not the only reason. But it made me think about this idea of being kind of entangled with people, and it takes like five minutes to get untangled. And I think about this name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. But if we look at the Hebrew root words for it, it actually comes from three words. Now, I want you to hear this this morning, because this is really cool. The first word is im, I am. And it means all-encompassing, beside, around, before, or next. So it's all-encompassing. And then the next word in Hebrew is amam. Say amam. Now, it's A-M-A-M, not A-M-O-M. Amam. And it means this, to overshadow by huddling together. So already we have this idea of this all-encompassing beside, around, before, this overshadowing, this huddling together. And get this, the last word of the three Hebrew words put together here is the word ul, not to be confused with cool, but it is pretty cool. It's the word ul, O-O-L, meaning to twist or being rolled together for strength. So think about this. It's not just, yep, God's with us. When we, when we say that word, when we read that word, Emmanuel, in the Hebrew, it literally means the all-encompassing, beside, around, before, overshadowing, huddling together, twisting or turning, being rolled together for strength. This is how God sees us. This is the picture that the messenger is painting for Joseph, and not just Joseph, but for the entire world as we read these words from the angel of the Lord. That describes God and our relationship to him. But for a lot of us, we think that God is distant and we're too dirty and we're not worthy. But think about this. Over 2,000 years ago, a messenger comes to Joseph and he says his name will be called, whose name? The incarnation, Jesus. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, isn't it cool that the announcement of Jesus is the announcement of the divine being with us? I mean, I think that's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're celebrating this season. I think it's so easy to miss out on that point sometimes, that God is literally saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm in your corner, I love you, I'll do anything within my power to be with you and show you that I'm with you. That one word, Emmanuel, that's what that's saying. So think about that. And I wrote this out because I think this is something we should memorize. The incarnation, God in flesh, shows us the all-encompassing, huddling together, intertwined strength of relationship we have with the divine. Isn't that beautiful? Now, for some of us, that's tough. Because we see ourselves and we see how we can be. And so we're like, why would God want to be with me? Because he loves you. He's your source. I mean, we, we look all through history in, in the scriptures and we see this God, Yahweh, who wants so desperately to be with his people. Not just the Jewish people. We, we've, we've gone through this before. We won't get into a lot of history, but the Jews were just supposed to be a, a light 
or a lighthouse on a hill displaying who God truly was so all the nations would come to the Jews or Israel and say, I want that God as my God. Does that make sense? So sometimes people say, well, the Jews are a special people. Sure, they were chosen. But here in the new covenant, we're all chosen. But what we do, a lot of us, just like the Jewish people did, because this is just humanity, is we lose our sense of identity. We lose the purpose and the meaning of what it means to be chosen. And so we live outside of that. And then we start to build walls and we start to segregate. segregate and we start to put divides between people based on race and color and, and gender and all these things. And the kingdom's saying that, nope, everyone is included. So... Christmas is really a great way of saying everyone's included, so get with the program, right? Everyone's included. God with us, not us and them, God with us. Isn't that awesome? So again, what is the incarnation? It shows us the all-encompassing, huddling together, intertwined strength of relationship we have with the divine. This, to me, this is the demonstration of God showing us that we're not pathetic and unworthy and that he desires to be with us and show us who we truly are. That's really what the gospel is. Jesus came to say, hey, I want to show you who you truly are. Sometimes we've, we've misconstrued this idea and some things have come in in the last 1,500 years where we think that we were distant and God couldn't stand us and, and we weren't worthy. But Jesus came to say, no, you are worthy but you've lost your identity. That's, that's the gospel. That's what you see Jesus and Peter and Paul and John. When you read through what they say, they're like, you've missed out. You've missed it. You don't see who you are. And I often say this if, you know, you look around sometimes at the world and you're like, why, why are people acting crazy? Why are they doing these things? Because they've lost their identity. They don't know who they are. But see, when you awaken to who you are, the apostles tell us to awaken to our righteousness or awaken to right relationship, what happens? You start to see yourself differently. You start to see your purpose for life, and then you begin to operate differently in life. So I believe that Jesus came to not just show us who we truly are, but to show us that his kingdom is in us and should be flowing through us to the world. Say, Emmanuel. God with us. It's beautiful, isn't it? I think it's a good reminder that we carry God with us and in us. Everywhere you go, you carry God with you. And it's not just in the Christmas season. Isn't this beautiful? Didn't they do a great job? But you know, it goes past Christmas. It should go into the new year. It should be an all-year deal. We realize the kingdom is within us, so let's let God out. I love this in Acts 17, 28. The Apostle Paul is speaking here um, on Mars Hill, and it's in this Greek city, and it's a city where they worship all types of gods, and, and he says this to them as he's proclaiming the gospel. He's talking about God, and he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Now, think about this. This is that all-encompassing idea that we're speaking of today. He's saying God is with us. How, how is that? Because in him we live. How many are living? In him you live and move. How many are moving? Even if it's slow, come on. We're still moving, right? And have our very 
being. This is this connection, this is this union that Jesus was speaking, that the messenger was speaking of about Jesus, but then Jesus carried this message at his 33 and a half years on earth, and then the apostles do what? They carry that same message, God with us. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Look at this, as certain also of your own poets have said, listen to this, for we are also his offspring. Now, just a little side note, I think it's interesting that Paul quotes a famous poet from this city. His name was Eridus, and he was born in the third century BC. And so he penned these words, we are all his offspring. Now, again, when, if you read the poem, it's a beautiful poem, but it's, it's not necessarily, he's not describing Yahweh, but what does Paul do here? This is so cool to me. He quotes something or someone, a poet, that they would know in order to not condemn them, but to make them feel comfortable and familiar with something they were familiar with, right? Like he didn't say, I'm gonna quote a bunch of Bible verses that you don't know. He literally says, in him we live, move, and have our being. And then he quotes the poet and says, for we are also his offspring. Some versions say all his offspring, his genos, his genos, were born from him. And they would go, wait, that's the poet. That's the famous poet. I, I get this, and it would bring them into this familiar zone where they then could hear what Paul was saying. So he quotes truth from a poet, a Greek poet, brings them in. Why? He didn't condemn them. That's not why he was there. He wanted to find common ground to share the good news of God with us, with them. I think that's beautiful. What better way to share the gospel than to find common ground with one another? And that's an important question we should ask ourselves, I think, it's at times. I was speaking to someone last night, and, you know, as we go through this journey, and depending on what denomination you come from, where you come from, um, you know, a lot of times we, there's so much within the foundation where we need to find scripture and verse. We need to find an address to back everything up, and I'm totally for the Bible. I love the Bible. I read it almost every single day. I study it. I break it apart. I pull it apart, but I do think that, it, that experience is important, too. If you live a whole life where you, you know, your, your relationship is, is just with the Bible, uh, I'll give you an example. We have all adults here today, right? Okay, so, so Jake said this a couple times. I was like, bro, that was like, wow, but like, wow. And he says, you know, sometimes what we do with the Bible is, well, it's like, it's like you have a book, and this book is written about your wife. It's all about your wife and her life and all these things. And so we go into a, a, our bedroom and we close the door and we're, we're there with our book. And then our wife comes and she knocks on the door and she's like, hey, honey, honey, can I come in? Um, wait, I, I, don't, I don't have time right now for you. I'm, I'm making love to this book that talks about you. And I was like, dude, that's pretty deep. But think about this. Sometimes what we do is we take this Bible, which is important, isn't it great that you can get it in like digital and leather and some of us pleather to save a little money, right? It's beautiful and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing, that a gift that was given to us. But we put so much into this book. We have such a tight relationship with this book that we don't even know Jesus. We don't even experience God. Because everything, I gotta run, it, I gotta run everything through this book. Do you know the Holy Spirit lives within you? What did the early church do without a New Testament? I'm being serious. 
what did they do? I mean, these letters, many of the letters weren't wrote for maybe 50, 60, 70 years after Jesus. I mean, what did they do? They listened to the Holy Spirit. They heard Holy Spirit. They would get together, and this is the beauty of the early church. They would get together, and they would just talk. They would, they would of course, use Torah. What did this mean? How was this pointing to Jesus? How was this pointing to the new way? But then there was these new ideas, and they had to, like, step out in faith and venture out and go, okay, I'm not sure about this. This is different than, than what we heard in the Torah, but I'm feeling like maybe we should love our neighbor. Maybe we should love others as he's loved us. I'm feeling like maybe this eye for an eye thing isn't right because Jesus told us to love our enemies. Do you see the progression? No, Pastor Andy, are you against the Bible? No, I love the Bible. Completely inspired. Men wrote revelation according to the level they had of revelation of their relationship with God. It's beautiful. But sometimes I think we forget experience. But then there's the other side. It's all experience. Right? That service was good. Why? Because I felt the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's cool. Right? Like, like, I'm not against that, but what about blending the two and saying, okay, I've got this foundation of Scripture, but there's something about the experience. There's something about what I feel. Because here's the thing. I can read Scripture. You ever notice this? That there's like 40,000 different denominations around the world in the Protestant camp? Why is that? Because when we read words in a book, we all interpret it differently. And I'll be honest with you, I do my best to interpret and really bring the original language out so we get a better sense of where we are. But I know that I'm probably getting some stuff wrong. How can you get everything right? No one has, you know, the market cornered on truth. But we're doing our best. That's why I love my brothers and sisters. Even if I don't agree with their theology or the way they interpret scripture, they're still my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to oust them and say, I can't be your friend. I can't have a relationship with you. So we were talking about this. And, you know, sometimes it's just, it's so hard, I think, sometimes for personality, especially like mine, to, to be able to go through this process and to grow into new ideas without having some type of foundation. And here's what I found happened. It's almost as if Holy Spirit is saying, will you step out and trust me? And then I'll show you some things in Scripture. I'll, I'll identify some things in your heart. I'll confirm some things with others so you can see you're going the right direction. But will you trust me? And sometimes it's so hard to get outside of that box of denomination and theology. Listen, I'm right there with you. A lot of things that I share with you, I mean... This is revelation that I've been getting over years. <laughs> Some of this I'm sharing with you is stuff that I've, I've been, you know, studying for one, two, three years before I even say it, because I want to know that I know, or as much as I can know, that I'm speaking truth as much as I can. And so what we see here is Paul, he, the early New Testament wasn't, you know, written yet. And so what's he doing? He's quoting not just what he knows in his heart, what was downloaded to him by the Spirit. He's quoting a Greek poet so they feel familiar. He's creating common ground. And it's important as we get into conversations with those, you know, especially around Christmas or, you know, if they have questions about things. I think what we do first is we listen more than we speak. And I'm talking to myself because I'm like, okay, I'm going to have like all the answers. Like, guys, you know, your wife ever, she's been talking to you about stuff going on in her life and that, and you're like, oh, we can fix this. And then you go into the whole way of fixing it, and they're like, I didn't want you to fix it. I wanted you to listen. 
<laughs> All the guys are like, yeah, been there, done that. I think people aren't necessarily looking for all the answers. They're looking for someone to hear them out and to listen to them. And I believe that as we do, what happens is Holy Spirit will lead you. Because I think relationships are long-term, right? And so for some of us, we want, you know, when I was speaking to my friend last night, we are like, but I just, I want them to sense the freedom that I'm sensing. And I want them to sense it now because it's so good. But if people aren't ready and they aren't prepared, usually it, it backfires and it offends them instead. I mean, it's just, it's this, it's this weird thing. We're like, oh, I just want them to get it. But you forcing them to get it isn't going to have them get it. It's Holy Spirit opening their heart and then being prepared and ready. Now, am I against us having an answer? No. Peter tells us that, right? Have an answer for anyone who asks. And that's why it's important to study. It's important to pray. It's important to ask the Spirit, where do I settle in on some of these things so I have a better idea? And so we see Paul here sharing the gospel. And again, what better way to share the gospel than to find common ground with one another? So here's a question. Have you ever had someone believe in you even when you didn't believe in yourself? Isn't that like the best feeling in the world? Like someone comes and say, man, I believe in you. You can do this. You're like, I don't think I can. No, I see the potential. I, I see the things that you can do here. I think it's a very powerful thing. Think about this. God saw and he even sees now in humanity what only some can see. He sees the value of the human spirit. See, some of us, we don't see the value or worth in our own life. No, not in every area. I mean, I don't want to paint this picture like we're all just like, life sucks and who cares? I mean, that's not true. Some people like, life is good and they love good, but love life. But here's the thing. There's certain areas in our life where we may feel like we don't measure up. We're not of value. We're not good. And I believe that what God sees is he sees the value of the human spirit. I believe that God sees the image of himself, the image that he put in us, in us, even when we don't. That word, I love the word father in Greek, pater, because it doesn't just mean origin. It doesn't just mean source. It means one who has infused his own spirit into others. And so God sees that. He's like, I've infused my spirit into you. This is who you are. But for a lot of us, we don't see it. If we don't see it, we don't believe it. That's how a lot of us function in life, right? I also believe that when God sees us, he sees untapped power. He sees the potential lying dormant out of ignorance because we don't know who we are. See, that's why I believe that God being love is pursuing us to awaken us to who we are. I don't believe God is an angry God who hates us and can't stand us and he's trying to get back at us somehow. I believe he's trying to awaken us to who we truly are. Because when he does, and when we do, guess what? We'll walk differently. We'll talk differently. Right? We'll act differently. We'll treat others differently. And I mean in a positive way. Because unfortunately, the world treats others differently already. But what I mean is including people, seeing their worth, seeing their value, seeing their uniqueness. I've said this several times, but I believe that God celebrates diversity and uniqueness. He loves that. And that's why I believe he loves all nations, not just ours all nations. And so we have to get past sometimes that view of what the world sees and say, you know what, this is what kingdom sees. We're all equal. We're all together. We're all worthy. But they haven't awakened to it. They, they don't understand who they are. But once they do, things will change, guaranteed. Think about with our own kids, with our own children, if you're a parent here this morning. Think about when did you see in your kids the ability 
or you saw something or something in them that they didn't see yet. You know, maybe you saw, you know, this athlete. Uh, maybe you saw this, this unique smartness towards a certain thing. Maybe you saw creativity in them. And so what do we do as parents? Well, as a good parent, we try to nurture and draw that out of them. And I believe that God's the same way with us. But see, here's the thing. He doesn't just go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I had that. No, he's already instilled those things in you. And so he sees those things and he's like, I want to stir those things up. I want to nurture those things. That's why I do think it's beautiful in the scripture that God is not just described. How many know, let me just say, how many know that God is not male or female? He's spirit. And I say he a lot because we're kind of like, I don't know, we say that. But when you look at the scripture, it describes God as both genders, male and female. And that's why, you know, I've ran into people who are like, you know what, I, I, my father was horrible and I don't even want to think about God as a father. I just don't, I'll say, well, think of him as a mother then. People go, whoa, you can't do that. Why? Scriptures do. What do you need to think of God as? Because he's not any of those anyway. We just project onto God what we need at that time. And I believe God's okay with it. He's like, hey, you know, I'm your mom, I'm your daddy. Really, I'm just your, I'm your source. I'm the one who infuses my very spirit into you. But whatever you need so we can go along the journey. Come on, can I get one amen in this house? So the times in your life where you see potential in your children. You see that creativity, you see the gifts. And so, you know, you, what do you do? You nurture those gifts. You bring those gifts out in our life. And I believe this, when we look at the incarnation, God becoming flesh, by becoming a human, by coming to us, to this earth as a human, I believe that God, number one, demonstrated that he loved us enough to show us by example how to let God out. Because look at the example of Jesus. Like I said, he hung with any and everyone, he loved them where they were. This is the beautiful thing about it, is when Jesus hung with people, they changed for the better. And let me say this, I just got this while I'm up here. It's not that they even changed, they, they woke up to who they already were. Wow. Which in turn is a transformation, renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's literally transfigured like Jesus was on, uh, on the mountain there with the disciples. He took a different form and a different shape. But you know what? That form and shape is already in you. But you have to let it out. Jesus came and as he was walking, he says, listen, repent. What's that mean? Change your mind. He said, change your mind. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. Do you hear that? The kingdom of God is within you. And then Jesus said things like this. Your sins are forgiven. Change your mind. Why? Because for a lot of us, we get so caught up in this realm of how bad we are and unworthy. I think he was just releasing that, saying, listen, you're forgiven. Let that go. Your actions are a reflection of a false identity. Awaken, repent, change your mind. Become born again. That means to change your mind. Change your mind, awaken to who you are, and those actions will change. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. Isn't that awesome? By coming to us as a human, I believe that God, number two, reminds us or reminded us that we are his and that we are like him. By coming to us as a human, 
I believe that God showed us that he believed in us to the point where he would lay down his life for us. We're told that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. See, God didn't go somewhere else. Jesus, take care of this for me, please, so I can look up on humanity again. See, the cross is this beautiful display of this is how much I love you. I will even let you kill me. I will let you commit deicide and then through resurrection. So you know what resurrection is? It's saying that, nope, your way was wrong, but this is the true way. And so on a cross, God on a cross lets us commit deicide. Why? He wanted to show us that he believed in us so much to the point where he would lay down his life for us. But through resurrection, the way of Jesus was vindicated. See, the kingdom is a different kingdom than the kingdoms of this world. See, the world isn't people, it's systems. It's a system that's built on anger and hatred and retribution and payback and, and lust and greed. But the kingdom is right relationship and peace and joy and forgiveness and love and grace. Do you see the difference? And so I believe resurrection was the vindication of Jesus in his way, saying, nope, you're going the wrong way. I let you kill me, but I want to show you the truth of how you're living. This is what it leads to. Death, murder, war, crucifixion. So awaken to who you truly are. Think about this. Little kids playing. I mean, little kids, you can put them in a classroom together. They don't care the color of someone's skin. They don't care whether they have clothing that costs $100 or $2 at Goodwill. They don't care. They don't look at that stuff. Why? Because truly, I believe within us is that desire and that good to accept those where they are and to have relationship and have unity. Why? Because we're all connected to the same source. This isn't new age talk, folks. This is the scripture. God, our father, he's our source. Right? He's the one who infuses very spirit into us. That's what Father means, pater. And so I believe that Jesus becoming human was showing us this thing, these things. And, and th this morning, the question isn't so much, do you believe in God? I believe the question I want to present to you is, will you believe that God believes in you? Now, we can see by his life on the cross that he believes in us. Right? We weren't a lost cause. He gave everything he was to prove to us we were worth it. So my question again is, will you believe that God believes in you? Now think about it. What he shows us in his life shows us that he believes in us. Now in Romans, the Apostle Paul states that while we're yet sinners... While we were yet messed up, while we were yet missing the mark, basically God said, I'll demonstrate my love for you by dying for you. I love what one biblical scholar says. He says, God does not love us more now that we are reconciled to him. We are now free to realize how much he loved us all along. That's what the cross is about. Isn't that what kind of, I'm gonna say that again. God does not love us more now that we are reconciled to him. 
we are now free to realize how much he loved us all along. Merry Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He believes in you even when you can't, or I would add, or don't believe in yourself. And you know what? This truth, it must be known. It's not just something we say. God came to this earth to know us. So think about this as we wrap up. What is life eternal or what is eternal life? I love what Jesus says here in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. He says, in this is life eternal. Now listen closely. What is life eternal? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now listen to this in the Passion Translation. Eternal life, say eternal life. What does it mean? It means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. So when people say, hey, what's eternal life? It's saying, it's knowing God. I mean, I believe that Dr. Paul, like I've never been on that side because if I was, I wouldn't be here today. But I do believe Dr. Paul is just, we were talking about this this morning, my wife and I, we kind of got teared up again. And she just got this vision as we were singing a song. She got this vision of Paul united with Jesus Paul united on the other side. And I believe it's a beautiful picture. And I said to her, I said, you know, it's like we haven't been there. No one can describe it. No one really knows, but it's got to be. I mean, what would it be like to be in the very presence of love itself? I mean, like I'm imagining now. Can we do that? Warmth goodness, acceptance, no fear, grace. Let me ask you a question. Who would say no to that? Who would say no to that? Whenever I've ran into people who reject, we would say reject the gospel or Jesus or they reject God, they're rejecting ideas that manna put together. They're rejecting distorted ideas of who God is. But just makes me think, what is it like? And not that I'm even like, you know, some people are like, heaven, you know, heaven's my home. Well, I mean, God created man and put you here. So just think that one through for a minute. But we do know through scripture that all spirits return to their source, the Father, right? But I think what that does is it, it makes here and now the most important thing for us right now. Are we living out kingdom life? Are we loving those around us? Are we showing them the best, truest picture we can of Father, Pater, source, origin? Are we, are we doing that here and now? Or are we standing somewhere, you know, at a bus stop waiting to go somewhere else while the world falls apart? Because you have the answer. Jesus said it, repent. The kingdom of God is within you. So are we letting the kingdom of God? I look around myself and are we letting the kingdom of God out? I don't think so. I don't think all of us are. No condemnation, but think about that. What does the kingdom of God look like? What are you doing to allow that kingdom to transfer through you to others and to this world?
I mean, when it does, I believe that this world could be such an awesome place. And I love this planet. I think we should take care of the planet. God gave us this planet. I think we should take care of others, you know, human beings, because God gave us to each other and we're connected. I think that's so very important. But when we see this Emmanuel, that God is with us, it changes everything. Jesus says, I pray, this is what eternal life is, I pray that they know and experience me. God wants you to know and experience him. It's the all-encompassing, huddling together, intertwined strength of relationship we have with the divine. Can you put that up on the screen? I wanna say that together. All-encompassing. So let's say it together, starting with all. Ready, read. All-encompassing, huddling together, intertwined strength of relationship we have with the divine. Look at the person next to you and say, Emmanuel. God with us. Isn't that awesome? And we get to know God by participating with God in this life. Because in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Merry Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.